Banafta podcast. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. All right, Nafta podcast, we are back. Uh, it's me alone again. Um, Michael has the flu, apparently. Was not interested in doing a flu game, Jordan style. Um, in defense of the Tuckers, trying to give them some semblance of a, a break and some summer. Um, but we do have a good amount to talk about. Last time we had our pod pre-USA Mexico. Now that we are meeting, many of you know, United States 3, Mexico nil, United States 2, Canada 0. So wanted to dive into that a little bit, um, chat through the results, uh, going to throw some visuals at you for sure, and chat through where I think this team goes from here, what I think we did really, really well, which was a lot. Do I really want to see Greg Berhalter back um, in charge? Spoiler alert, that was also announced during the game. Um, And honestly, kind of, where do we go from here? So, all that said, let's start in a familiar place and new to the NAFTA community. Let's talk through, or, or let's show some statistics and some graphs uh, and basically screenshots from FOTMOB um, while we talk through these games. So first things first, if you recall, Michael, Dylan, and I met, did a pod. We're talking about this game, preview this game a little bit, talked about the team, uh, all three of us, Dosicero. Um, I believe I was a Pulisic goal and a McKinney goal. Uh, Pulisic did score, McKinney did not. I want to give Dylan credit on a Ricardo Pepe goal. Not 100% sure if, if that was true, but I knew that between all three of us, we had the goal scores pretty correct, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but we all said Dosicero. It was Trace Acero, uh, actually. So... Um, shout out to Team USA, and and honestly, let's start here. BJ Callahan, how this guy doesn't already have an offer to be coaching in the MLS, I actually don't understand how how that's possible. Um, I think he set us up really, really well, set us up to succeed, and I thought the team played really well. So. Starting lineup, you had Turner and goal, obviously. The four in the back were Robinson, Richardson, Robinson, Dest. Uh, the midfield looked like McKinney and Musa. And then across, like, the second line of attack, wings, Pulisic, Reyna, Wea. And then the debut of Balogun for Team USA. Um, honestly, this was a, 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 a team effort, but B, a shellacking. Um, I think the one thing that you're going to get from anyone who you ask about the past two games is just the difference in talent between the United States and both of these other federations is craterous. Uh, I think there's obviously, when you talk about Canada, a few players that are maybe even better than some of the guys, uh, some of the top people we have, maybe some of the best people in CONCACAF. Um, but when you're talking top to bottom, one to 22, 
one to 25, however many there are, you know, it's, it's unmatched. Um, this is the first time that we're going to say this, uh, or first time we've been able to say this. And then also one thing that we've been talking about as a, as podcasts is like before these games started, uh, and even looking to the future when like Tyler Adams is back, we haven't had to make these decisions where, man, we're going to leave this guy out of the starting lineup. How are we going to do that? We're going to leave this guy out of the starting lineup. And we just haven't had that luxury as a federation. We have not had the luxury of having too many good players um, in certain positions. And I think this is the first time that you're going to really, really see that. And it's especially true in that midfield where you're thinking McKenney, Musa, Reyna, Adams, that's probably your big four there. Um, and then hopefully you have the good problem of as amazing as Balogun looked, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But, you know, Ricardo Pepe had a, a great window too, great two games, and you want him to push. Um, and then I do think the back four played well enough. Obviously, we didn't give up a goal. Um, Turner had some great saves, but the back four played well enough, and it was rotated a bit. But if you want to get, hey, who's our who is our back four? Who's the first people on the team sheet? That's not solidified yet, and I think that that's another area where we have a lot of guys that can do a lot of things and bring a lot to the table. Um, but again, great problems to have and problems that we've never really had before. So, so let's start with this goal scorers for the match against Mexico. Uh, you had the brace by Pulisic. Uh, in the 37th minute, and then as soon as halftime started back, he scored a minute later in the 46th. Um, that's when a lot of the fireworks kind of started off the pitch a bit. Um, you had the Cesar Montes red card on a just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous uh, tackle on Balogun. McKinney comes to the defense. Um, you know, it's always going to be fiery, USA Mexico. Uh, McKinney gets caught up in the scuffle, gets a red card as well. We're down to 10 on 10 at that point. Um, Pepe gets a goal in the 79th minute. And then in the 86th, the uh, Gerardo Ortega, Sergino Des scuffle happens. And then we're finishing the game uh, 9 on 9. One thing I'll say is I think in the pod before this, we talked about Pulisic coming in and just putting a stamp on this team um, and being the leader. If you see any of the videos of him in the locker room, I think that it's pretty apparent that's who he is. He is the leader of this team. And based on this performance, you know, two goals. Uh, he, he, was, he was incredible. He was where he needed to be the whole time. And I think, you know, Michael will agree with this mainly because I think he brought up this point in a conversation we had. Um, get him out of the midfield. He's he's much better with just running down the sideline, cutting in, and creating that way. Um, and the fact that Callahan played Reyna centrally and behind Balogun was just huge for the creativity of not just Pulisic, but also Weah. I feel like also Musa McKinney got involved as well. And then being able to play through balls in the Balogun that we're going to see in the next game, uh, I I love the lineup. I loved it. I, I it's really really going to be hard 
if this happens, and I don't know if it will, and we have to give some space, I guess, for Greg to, to, to approach this however he is going to. It's going to be really, really hard to go from seeing a much more attack-minded, much more like, hey, we got one goal, let's get two, let's get three, that I do feel like, you know, it may have been the players, but, you know, BJ Callahan looks like just a beer league softball player on the touchline. And he had a lot of great pep, pep up speeches in that locker room as well that I think that the guys knew, Hey, this guy's not here for a long time. He's here for a good time. Let's try to give him a good time. Um, and I think they really played for him. I mean, when you, when you play against Mexico, these guys are always going to stand up and, and be feisty and fiery and, you can always guarantee or you can always bet on that. Sometimes you're hoping it doesn't spill over, which, again, it, it may have a little bit, which we can talk through. Um, but how we were set up in essentially a 4-2-3-1, I loved it. There was creativity through the midfield. There were people in spots where they always needed to be. And, again, if you watch this game, the, the, the absolute delta between – the U.S. and Mexico was staggering skill-wise. And, and this is one of the first times I think that we can literally sit here and say, like, you know, we, we kind of beat the piss out of them. Um, if we go to the stats, 47% possession for the U.S., uh, 53 for Mexico, 11 total shots for the U.S., 5 for Mexico, 5 big chances for the U.S., none for uh, Mexico, 2 big ch- chances missed for the U.S., none for Mexico, Um and then, you know, the fouls committed 17 apiece. Uh, corners 5-3 to three in favor of the U.S. This is now um, five straight games between U.S. and Mexico where the U.S. has not lost. Uh, and they have two draws within their 3-0-2. Oh, um, Stat-wise, I, th- I think, again, if you're just picking up a newspaper like you would back in the old days to look at a box score for baseball, you're... You're seeing possession, and it doesn't really tell the full story. I think towards the end of the game, obviously the United States is playing defensive, trying not to even just give up a goal. Um, this was just a beatdown, total beatdown. Where it gets really interesting and where we can spend some time is the red cards. I think that the McKinney red card for me was a little bit weird. I know that they're going to give it to him because he touched the guy's throat or grabbed his neck or whatever. Uh, but I think if you have anyone with any sense look at that bar replay look at what happened I think it's really really hard to think that red card's justified um, especially with the tackle that was put on on Balligan uh, just a kick back and just a swipe through the back leg no attempt at the ball whatsoever again Every other pundit on watching that game and, and doing that game said, you know, you got to keep your head. So I guess I will defer to them. But we have VAR in CONCACAF, and I do feel like if, if you have any sense, you're watching that and you're just like, hey, I actually think we could get two more Mexican guys or one more Mexican players out of this game based on what they were doing. But McKinney comes out and, and has a red card. I got no problem with it. It, it obviously – does suck that he didn't get to play against Canada, um, but yeah, I want my guys to stand up for each other. I, I this is a team. This is 
one of the more I got your back teams I've ever seen. Uh, and I know it's for country and I think it's a little bit easier to do that when it is. Um, but I, I always know that if something goes down, you got at least five to six people rushing to, to their aid. Dest again, the red card happened. Um, I believe, what did I say? The 86th minute, you know, he was super impressive and I know that he didn't get to play much with, uh, Milan and with Barcelona. Um, I'm really hoping, and he's not the only one with this. I'm really hoping that all of these guys are able to find a landing spot for them next year to just play. And, and again, if you watch the game, every pundit said that ad nauseum. Uh, but it is super important, especially for him, because if he can improve a little bit on the track back, if he can improve a little bit defensively, my God, the shapes and the passing patterns and the counter that you were able to establish with Dest and Wea and Musa and Reyna and then with Balogun, like that entire right side was awesome. And I think that I want to talk about Wea when we do Canada, but I, I think that that side needs to be more of the sum of its parts. Whereas as much as, you can be critical of Christian Pulisic because he hasn't gotten to play with Chelsea. He hasn't gotten a good run there. He's going to make an impact on the game on the left side, no matter who is playing that left back with him or who else is teaming up with him in the midfield over there. I think that he will always, always, always have at least three to four solo runs on that left side where you're like, oh, he can create. And then I think Wea is obviously getting to there. And again, I want to talk about that on the Canada game, but Dest provides so much creativity and so many openings and so many passing patterns when he gets to play offensively. You want to get him consistently playing because if he can figure out the track back, if he can figure out to be a smarter on decision-making so that he's defensively in a better position and not caught out, I think that we're, we're, we're looking really, really good back there. Um, I, again, I don't have a problem with the retaliation either. I, I both these guys should have got sent off. We got to keep our head. We got to not maybe react. I think that the dude that got tossed, uh, Artiega, if I remember correctly, was just a nuisance most of the game. It, it, I mean, once, once we really hit, honestly, like the 55th minute, the Mexican players really seemed like they weren't playing the game anymore, and it was more just a release of frustration um, and who can I fight with who can I chatter back and forth with who can I go after uh, and in those scenarios you know all these guys are professionals they've played sports long enough you gotta be able to just keep your head uh, and and not hurt the team but it's really really hard and again hindsight being 2020 now that I know the result of that Canadian game I'm not as upset I, I like that these guys have each other's back. Um, would have loved to see both of those, McKenney and Dest, in the starting lineup against Mex against Canada. Um, but I, I, I want them to fight. I want them to be passionate, and especially in the game against Mexico, you know that's going to happen. It's the biggest rival, sorry, Canada, so far uh, in CONCACAF, and, and we, we need to expect that. We need to see that. All right, let's go to Canada. Two goals for the United States, nil for Canada. We should have predicted this uh, as a dosis for 
for this game instead of the Mexican one. Um, first goal, Chris Richards in the 12th minute, and then Balligan with his first goal uh, in a U.S. shirt in the 24th. We lined up with Turner and Keeper, uh, as always. Back four, Robinson, Richards, Zimmerman, Scally. Um, Robinson, our center back, uh, out with a little, uh, I think it was hamstring tweak, and then obviously Scally stepped in for Dest. Midfield looked a little bit different. We did more of a 4-3-3 in this one. Reyna, Musa, Aronson. Reyna did sit even more center as well in this one, but it was a little bit more fluid. And then the front three, Pulisic, Balligan, Weah. Let's start here. Gio Reyna is, in my opinion, and I think I don't want to speak for Dylan. I don't want to speak for Michael. I don't want to speak for Nick. But if he's not the best, he's the second best player for the United States in all of our opinions. Um, I don't think that I'm saying anything controversial for, for my pod mates. I don't think I'm saying anything that people would be totally up in arms about. And I think in these two windows, he, he really showed that and he really proved that. The, the amount that he was able to create and the amount of space that he was able to, to maneuver through and the solo dribbles and the one-twos and the passing that just he himself were able to create was honestly something that I've never seen a United States player ever do. Uh, there were times in this Canadian game where, again, in my mind, I'm like, Verhalter's coming back, and, and it was frustrating, I think, because you want to be able to see this offensive creativity all the time. And we had patterns and we had one twos and we had passes between players that I'm like man I sit here and I watch Man City every week it's not to that level obviously yet hopefully one day it's not to that level yet I don't want to be a crazy person but it looked like a very very good European side playing um, Michael I'm going to give him a shout out we talked about making the hard decisions about who's going to be able to slot in and stay in in that midfield when uh, Adams comes back because you need him. He helps the defense so, so much. Who, the defense, two clean sheets. In this game, there's definitely some chances for Canada that you're like, oh, man, we got we to gotta button this up. Um, but I think Anthony Robinson really, really stepped up on a lot of those chances and, and cleared lines and, and got us back to where we needed to go. Joe Scally was really, really calculated and, and played very, very well against an Alfonso Davies, who, again, between him and Jonathan David, they're in the top five best players in CONCACAF, as I mentioned before. Um, so they played well. Walker Zimmerman, you know what you're going to get. It's going to be consistent. Um, and then Chris Richards... I think had a great two games. The goal, obviously, was big. But he was supportive. He was stepping in against Mexico. And in this one, same thing. And, and then was super dangerous on set pieces. So back to the original point, Reyna. How he was able to create so much in the flow of the game. But then also, I, I believe 
you watch the, the Paramount Plus coverage of this, Clint Dempsey, I think, said the word set pieces 300 times, but he's not wrong. We don't play, we don't look good on set pieces. We don't create as well on set pieces until this game. And it was totally night and day. It was, it was thoughtful. It, it was second headers. It was first headers. It was another element that you had to be aware of as a Canadian team, as a Canadian fan, as a Canadian player, when, when Reyna would step up to a dead ball, to a corner, that just gives us even more opportunity to score. Uh, Reyna had both assists in this one. And I think that it, it it's imperative that no matter who's going to be the coach, and it's obviously going to be Burt Halter, but if we get to Copa and, and we shit the bed and he's gone, there's just too much talent now on this field to, to sit back, to play defensive, to not attack, even if we're up one nothing. It, it's too good of a team. Um, I said I was going to shout out Michael, and then I went on a tangent. Why I'm shouting out Michael is we talked about who's going to step into that midfield when Adams comes back, and he was adamant. He was like, way has got to be on the field. And I think my answer was actually pulling way off just because I think the, the ceiling of McKinney is, is so enticing, and I think that Eunice Musa is always going to give you 110%. Watching these two games, Wea cannot come off the field and can't even be in the midfield. You can't, like, because my thought process is you take Wea off because you're playing Reyna on that right side. You can't take Reyna out of the middle of the park because of how much he's able to impact. And, and you're wasting him, honestly, if you put him out on the right side as a right wing. So you need way on the right wing as well because, to be totally honest, you get more out of him than you do Reyna on a right side. And, and he was tremendous over these two games. He was speed. He was power. He was athleticism with also some skill, also being able to, to create gaps for other people also being able to, to run into space so that someone else can get a ball in the space. Um, again, I really am I'm hoping that all of these guys can go play somewhere and get legitimate, consistent minutes in Europe next season because it's going to be so important for them to continue to grow and to continue to develop. I was super impressed with, with Wea. Obviously super, super impressed with uh, Reyna. And let's get to... The, the, the biggest difference uh, with watching this team over these two games as opposed to any other time we've ever watched. I, I personally have ever watched a, a men's national team game. And, and this is with all due respect to the Dempseys, to the Landon Donovans of the world, to, yeah, I'll go Josie Altador. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how else far back you want me to go, but We've never had anyone put this jersey on and play striker that moves the way that Balogun moves. We've never had anyone be able to be as dangerous up there as he is. Um, two games. So I sound like a moron. I know that. But, but just how he moved, you could tell it was a top 
tier world class style player. Is he there yet? No. I think I'd get laughed out of any room of people who know ball if I was like, if yeah, Balogun's a world class player. No, he's not. Not yet. Probably not. Right? But it it's just so distinct to see how he approached this game, so distinct to see how he attacked Canada. And I think the most important thing, and I've said this on pod before, it's actually the issue that my my Wednesday night seven on seven team has. And I'm gonna apologize to both of our moms, uh, Karen. Sorry about this next comment. Uh, Barb, also sorry about this next comment. The pod mothers. He is a dickhead. And, and that is what every soccer team needs. You need a dickhead to be up top. And what I mean by that is if he gets the ball, he knows in his own mind that the best option for his team when he has the ball is for him to shoot. No matter if that's true or not, you need someone with a lethal mentality, with a killer's mentality up there. And it seems like he does have that. It seems like that is something that we know he's going to provide. It seems like that is something that he has as at least a baseline right now that we're going to be able to grow on. And I think that that is something that is super exciting. And I think soccer is one of those unique sports uh, baseball is pretty similar with this, but it, it's one of those unique sports where an individual's mindset needs to be selfish at times for a team to be successful. You need that striker that if he gets the ball, he's got so much confidence that he's like, I'm taking this down this team's throat, I'm scoring. And I think that he has that. And, and his goal kind of proved that it was just an absolute depancing of the back line pointing exactly where he wanted the ball for Reyna to play it, cutting right in front of the defender, one-timing it past the keeper for the second goal, which ultimately kind of put this game away. Um, you need a dickhead. You need This guy needs to be an absolute fucking asshole up top. And I, I think that when you are around a team that is at that level too, they understand that. I think it's hard to tell a high schooler to be like, you know, you got to not give a fuck about your teammates and you got to go score. I think everyone on this team knows that and wants that and wants that for them. I want to talk real quick too about Ricardo Pepe. I was super impressed with Ricardo, Ricardo Pepe. I do think that last pod I'd mentioned, I was like, I really want to get him a goal. I really want him to score against Mexico. Um, I think that it is super, super, super important for it not to just be a set-in-stone thing right now for Balogun to be the, the, the striker. Obviously, he's, he's the best on paper, best on the field, and, and you got to play him. But A, the fact that Pepe came in and scored in the first game, and B, this is going to sound like such a uh, participation trophy-style comment, but he hustled his ass off when he got those limited minutes against Canada. He tracked all the way back. He was putting on the press. He was putting on the pressure. You could tell that, at least as someone who has no insights to the locker room, has never talked to these people before in their lives, but as, a, as the, the body language doctor that I feel like I am, he doesn't want to go quietly into the night for this number nine position, and you got to love that. 
You got to love that for the team. You got to love that for him. I think he is going to be such an important impact sub off the bench that can really cause us to to be to make a difference. He's going to be a difference maker is is what I was trying to say very unsuccessfully. Um but I was, I was excited. I was pumped about his performance and and how he was able to stay on it and how he was able to 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 just be focused and and play really really hard and I think that he like Reyna, like Joe Scally, even got totally screwed by the selection of the World Cup. Has a right to be upset. Has a right to be mad, and is going about it the right way to to get onto this next team that's going to be at Copa, that is going to have a couple of more difficult friendlies, and then ultimately will be at the World Cup uh, in what three and a half, three years, whatever it may be. Um, I. I want that. I, I want that for him because I, I really I think that he can be a difference maker. So that was another key thing for, for us as well. Um, we talked about it a little bit before. I think the back line stepped in and played really, really well. There's a few leaks, uh, a few times that you're like, ah, man, if we were a little bit more buttoned up, this, this wouldn't be so easy to create this chance. You have to also give credit to Alfonso Davies. He's a world-class player, actually. Um, you know, five Bundesligas and one Champions League. You know, he's he's a world class player. I think that we want to get to a point where there's at least three, hopefully four players that are used to playing with each other in that back line, know how to get their movements right, know what they're doing with and without the ball, know how to support Turner um, when we're playing out of the back, and I think that that will come. I'm not too too worried about that. I think it's impressive that we had two clean sheets, didn't give up a single goal. Matt Turner looked great, had some big saves against Canada. Um, definitely the number one, no no doubt about it. And that's coming from a Zach Steffen apologist and convert now um, for since before the World Cup. But, you know, he's the real deal, too. Pumped to have him. Um, and in all honesty, this has been one of the best kind of CONCACAF stretches that we've had, obviously. Three three straight titles, three straight finals, three straight wins. Um, never done that before. Uh, and it was a great build on to the performance at the World Cup. All right, last point that I wanted to, to chat through. We mentioned it a little bit before. Burhalter coming back in is is going to feel really really weird. I, I personally think I think that the entire process was a little bit botched, a little bit weird. I think that I forget which pundit said it, but they're spot on. If we knew that we were going to end up in the exact same spot, why did this take so long? I think that is a fair assessment and a fair criticism. Um, I understand that the reason that he's not coaching in this game, I think that would have been kind of rushed for him to be able to do that. But I know that, that they don't want to start the, the rumor mill if we don't win the Gold Cup, but I think that's kind of bullshit. This guy wants the job. We want to give him the job, have him do the fucking job. Um, he's already been here. I, I just think it's, it's delaying cohesion. It's delaying 
getting to see what adjustments are going to be made, and it's and it's a delay in how we're going to be able to see him interact with some of these players that legitimately probably have a gripe with with selection of the last World Cup. Um, look, this pod has gone over this ad nauseum a ton. My thought process was the fireable offense was the fact that he wasn't going to play Reyna that much. And Reyna is, in, in my opinion, the best player in a U.S. jersey um, at the moment. Uh, and before. And he's got the highest ceiling. He's got the most consistent play. I understand that he could have been a little shithead. Could have acted up in practice, whatever. A, I think that if, if you're a coach and you don't see that that guy's going to give you the best chance to win, I guess there must have been something crazy that he was doing. I don't think the message was correct to the player itself, himself. Um, I think that is kind of a fireable offense. And I also thought that, you know, post-World Cup, talking about the dirty laundry at the, the forum, also kind of a fireable offense. Like, you know, I, I, just, I just think you don't do that. You, it's a locker room mentality. Like, you keep that in the locker room. I don't. I, I, I mean, let's be honest here, and, and, and I've said this with my friends, we've said this on the pod, the worst people in this entire situation are Gio Reyna's parents. Not, not even close. I don't want that ever to get lost. Gio Reyna's parents are the worst people in the United States of America for soccer, for football. They should be barred from any involvement whatsoever, ever again. Uh, crazy. Just absolute, like, little league shit. But I don't think that you can sit there and and go through this process and say like, yeah, Greg Berhalter, he's the, he's the best guy for us. I just don't feel that way. Um, definitely open to seeing what's going to happen, how we're going to grow, how we're going to evolve, but I'm not, I'm going to be really disappointed if I just got to watch two games of BJ Ball and we're just pumping teams and then we go back to getting a goal up and sitting back and absorbing pressure and, and not having the best tactics to actually hit them on a counter. I think that Rana has to stay in the midfield. He has to stay in the middle of the field, middle of the park. Um, and he's got to play. I think if, if every story that has come out about this is true, Gio Reyna deserves to play because he apologized. He's now approached it. With a new lens, he's refreshed. He's he he has done the requirement to apologize to his team, to apologize to his coach, and should be good to go. He, it's crazy to say this as a child, he does not need to answer for his parents. His parents need to be ostracized and excommunicated from the USMNT world. Personally, I feel that way. Um, but Giorana needs to play, and, and if if he's not going to play. And this was one of the dumbest rehires in the entire world. So, um, all right. I think we're actually going to be on a break for a week. We haven't had a full week off yet. We've had one pod a week since the Premier League season ended. I think that next week we will actually have the week off. Um, looking forward to the Gold Cup coming up. Want to chat through that. Want to give some previews on that. Um, Going to get refreshed and hopefully have a few new things coming out on the NAFTA Pod Network, <laughs> as much of a network as it can be. 
uh, in the summer. And uh, hopefully you guys will tune in and continue to listen and watch. No jokes. That's Dylan's thing. But go Baby Eagles. Go U.S. Men's National Team. Let's bring home a gold cup. Back to back to back to back. CONCACAF titles has a pretty good ring to it. See ya. Podcast. And sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit.